0: Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. So many areas of our life. We're so thankful for your love and your mercy. We're so thankful for the blessings of life. We're so thankful for Christ who came and gave his life on the cross for our sins to offer us hope, to offer us redemption, Father. We Praise your name, Lord. I pray for our time together this morning as we open up the truth of your word. I pray you give us understanding and clarity, Father, and I pray that you would speak directly to our hearts. Lord, I pray through the power of the Holy Spirit we'd be transformed more into the image of your Son. It's in his precious name that we pray. Amen. I want to begin this morning by reading an excerpt from an article written by Dr. Al Mohler. As some of you may know, Dr. Moeller is the president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and he's widely known for his critique of culture and his writings on how the church impacts culture and vice versa. I'd like to read from an article he wrote a couple years ago. I think we have it on the screen as well for you. It's a pretty lengthy quote, so I've given you the text a remarkable culture shift has taken place around us. The most basic contours of American culture have been radically altered. The so called Judeo Christian consensus of the last millennium has given way to a postmodern, post Christian, post Western cultural crisis, which threatens the very heart of our culture. The evidence is overwhelming. Moral relativism has so shaped the culture that the vast majority of Americans now see themselves as their own moral arbiter. Truth has been internalized, privatized, and subjectivized. Absolute or objective truth is denied outright. Research indicates that most Americans believe that truth is internal and relative. No one, the culture shouts, has a right to impose truth morality or cultural standards in candor we must admit that the church has been displaced once an authoritative voice in the culture the church is often dismissed and even more ignored come back with me now At one time, the influence of the church was sufficient to restrain cultural rebellion against God's moral commandments, but no longer. The mission of the church in the midst of this cultural crisis is to proclaim the truth and reach out to the casualties. In the face of rampant relativisms, the believing church must proclaim the truth of God's word, the permanence of his commands, And the reality of his judgment. Given the cultural context, this task is one of the most important tests of Christian faithfulness. Now in case you haven't noticed, the world is changing. And we can be upset all we want to, we can argue all we want to, we can debate the causes. But the truth of the matter is this. The church no longer finds itself at the center of culture and society. Instead, the church finds itself on the outside looking in. Now, I've read a lot of books over the last several years that talk about the role of church in our society. That talk about the role of the culture in the church and the church in The culture. And many authors have written about not only the church today, but if trends continue, what the church in the future will look like. And I'll tell you this it's not a very pretty picture. In fact, most of the people who've studied this argue that if the church and the local church specifically doesn't make a lot of drastic changes, that half of the churches that exist today will not exist in 30 years. Half. Now, we don't have to look very far to recognize that this trend is correct. In fact, the North American Mission Board, who tracks this among Southern Baptist Convention churches, tells us that 800 to 1,000 churches die every year all across our country. 800 to 1,000 churches that have been in business, so to speak, some of them for over 100 years, have a group of people that love the Lord, that give, that are interested in doing the will of the Lord for whatever reason shut their doors, close up shop, and sell their buildings. Now this should, as believers, be very frightening to us. And we, so we begin to ask ourselves the question, why is this happening? Why do churches continually shut their doors? Why does Christianity become more and more marginalized? Why does the church find itself on a larger and larger level on the outside looking in? Has God changed? Has He, for whatever reason, all of a sudden gotten out of the business of saving lives and bringing hope to people? Has He gotten out of the business of growing churches and reaching people for Christ? The answer, of course, to those questions is no. God never changes. But I think there is a problem that we should address and be aware of. See, I think the real problem of decline in our country... The real reason that so many churches find themselves on the outside looking in is that there are too many Christians that do a poor job of living their lives for Christ out in the world. I think that's a big problem. I think they sit in church on Sunday mornings. They feel good about what they've done and then the very next day and for the remainder of the week they look no different than all the unbelievers of the world. And I think our failure to live as followers of Christ every day of our lives has had a profound impact on our society. The Pew Research Center did a study a couple years ago and they concluded that the number of Americans that claim no religious affiliation has more than doubled in the last decade. In other words, fewer and fewer and fewer people are aligning themselves with any sort of religion. Now, if you don't think that the church is in an absolute battle for the heart's, and the souls of the people of this world, then you need to wake up. If you think that churches can do the things they've done for the last 50 years and still survive, I think you're mistaken. Because like it or not, the world is changing. And as a body of believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, we've got to be willing to not only study and understand the world that we live in, but be willing to engage the culture right where it is. So what do we do? Do we retreat? Do we quit? Do we fear the future? No, we're not going to do any of those things. In the face of what seems to be an onslaught against The local church, an attack on the local church. We're going to remember, first of all, that God is still in control and that He still has a plan for His church. But here's the second thing we're going to do we're going to find a new perspective. We're going to begin to think in different ways. See, Rosemind has always been on the cutting edge of ministry. Rosemind has always kind of prided itself in, in seeking new ways to reach the community and to minister to people. I've seen that in the years that I've been here. Many of you that have been here longer than I have have seen that in the many years that you've been here. And so today is no different. It's on the first Sunday of the new year. As we look ahead to 2014, I want to cast a vision for the upcoming year. Now, as many of you already know, and if you're visiting with us today, you'll quickly understand that missions has taken a hold over our church in the last two years in a very profound way. It's influenced and shaped our people. It's influenced and shaped our culture. And we're going to continue to pursue going to the nations. But for all that our church has accomplished these last two years, There has been a component of this mission movement that has been noticeably absent. You see, over the last year, we've sent over 200 people on mission. But all of them have been sent outside of this area. For all we've done to reach the world, and we're going to continue to push that envelope, we've done very little intentionally to reach our area. And so for this upcoming year, we're going to continue to go to the nations. But our focus in 2014 is going to be local mission work. Now I want to remind you of the model of Acts 1-8. A model that we've adopted, a model that we've kind of bought into, a model that I've preached on several occasions, a model by which we've tried to shape and mold our church and our missions movement. Acts 1.8 says this, this is Christ speaking to his disciples. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. And here's the geographic concentric circle model that he gives us. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which is local, In all Judea and Samaria, which is regional, and to the ends of the earth. Now, we've made a commitment to go to the ends of the earth. We're going to continue to go. We've made a commitment to go regionally. We've sent a lot of people to different regions of our country. We're going to continue to go. But in 2014, I'm going to challenge you individually, and I'm going to challenge you as a church to recognize the needs of our local community, And to get involved on some level to help with those needs. And we're going to call this challenge the missional life. Or missional living. The idea of the missional life, the idea of missional living, is that we should live with a missionary mindset every moment of every day. Now one writer defined it like this. Missional living is the adoption of the Posture of thinking, behaviors, and practices of a missionary in order to engage others with the gospel message. Now, I want to be clear. This is not a new program, this is not a new activity, this is not simply some event that we're going to plan. This will, for us in 2014, become a lifestyle. And so I'm going to challenge you this morning, I'm going to continue to challenge you in the weeks and months that follow to look for opportunities to minister every day. To look for opportunities to engage someone in conversation about spiritual things every day. To love someone in the name of Christ every day. We're going to ask you to live missionally. We're going to ask you to take up this challenge And to take up this focus and to live every aspect of your life at home, at work, at school, doing the arts, doing recreations, all for the glory of God. And so in order to understand this a little more and to kind of take this challenge from the truth of Scripture, I'm going to encourage you now to open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians Colossians now as you're flipping to Colossians chapter 4 I want you to imagine with me just for a moment the potential of what this change could do for our church if we all took seriously the idea of missional living if we all took seriously the idea of looking for opportunities on a regular basis to minister for Christ to share Christ with other people To have conversations with people about who Christ is. If we took seriously our role to live missionally, I want you to imagine how it could impact our Sunday school classes. Imagine how it could impact our small groups. I want you to imagine how it could impact our deacon ministry. I want you to imagine how it could influence our students. Students, imagine if you went to school every morning with a missional mindset. How can I minister to that kid in my first period class that I know needs Christ? How can I love that kid whose parents are going through a divorce? How can I have a conversation at lunch with this girl or this guy that I know is hurting and, and needs someone to love on him and walk beside them? How can I walk beside that person? How can I minister to this teacher? How can I live missionally at school? Imagine how it could change our students. Imagine how, imagine how it could change our lives. Imagine how it could change our church. If we took seriously the idea of a missional life. And so we're going to examine this morning Colossians chapter 4. We're going to look at two verses. Now Paul has concluded his letter. Paul is going to give us some final remarks. And he's going to give us a way that we can very simply live missionally. Here's what Paul says, Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace. Seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now, there's some very clear truth in this text. There's some very clear truth in these two verses I want to pull out and help us understand this morning. If we're going to live missionally in 2014, if we're going to experience the missional life in 2014, truth number one is this. We must continue to move our focus from internal to external We've got to shift our focus from internal to external. Now this should be true of individuals. This should be true of Sunday school classes, of small groups. This should be true as a church. But here's the problem. We get so busy with life, we get so caught up in our day-to-day routine that we put on blinders to the things around us, don't we? And yet I want you to notice what Paul says in verse 5. He says we need to be wise in the way that we act toward outsiders. Now if we're going to reach the world for Christ, we need to focus outside of the walls of this building. Right? Now don't misunderstand what I'm saying. What we do on Sunday morning is extremely important. We need to continue to do this. We're going to continue to come together and worship. We're going to continue to come together and pray. We're going to continue to come together and and sing and study and do all the things that we do. But here's the thing we have to understand. If you can understand this truth that I'm about to give you, it can change the way that you live. We have to realize that unbelievers, for the most part, are not in our church. They're in the world. Right. I mean, there certainly are unbelievers that come and visit, and we welcome that. We encourage you to, to invite a friend or a family member or a coworker that you know is not involved in church, that you know needs Christ. We encourage that, and we welcome those people. We're going to continue to welcome those people. But if truth be told, if we're honest with one another, the vast majority of unbelievers are where? Outside the walls of this church. That's exactly, exactly what Paul says. Now there's plenty of scripture that talks about how we treat each other and we're going to continue to study those scriptures. There's plenty of scriptures that talk about loving one another. We're going to continue to do those things. But in this text, Paul doesn't say be wise in the way that you act toward other believers, although that's important. Paul says be wise, be careful, be weary of how you act toward outsiders. Why? Because you may be the only witness they ever see. And if you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ... If you claim to be an attender of a church, and yet you show up on Monday morning and act the same way they act as an unbeliever, guess what they're going to do? They're going to lose all faith in Christ. Why should I follow Christ if that guy's acting the same way I'm acting? Be wise, Paul says, in the way that we act toward outsiders. Now, I just want to be clear. We're not slowing down our movement to go to the nations. We're not going to say we're not going to the nations. Instead, we're going to stay here in LaGrange. We're going to do both. The Acts 1-8 model is clear. It's a Jerusalem local model. It's a Judea-Samaria regional model. It's to the ends of the earth model. We're going to continue to do all three of those. In fact, we've got all kinds of trips planned for 2014. I'm going to encourage you to go to one of them. We have a trip to Zambia planned. We've got a trip to Alaska planned. In fact, some of you have expressed some interest in Alaska. If you're one of the people that have expressed interest in Alaska, you need to talk to Randy because we have uh, conversations, and we've had a conversation with Scott Kirby, who's a missionary in Alaska. He's excited. He's got plans for our team. We're beginning to take deposits for those of you that are interested. We're still going to go to Zambia. We're still going to go to Guatemala. We're still going to go to Brazil. We're going to continue to do all those things. We've embraced this challenge. But I want to tell you a truth that many of you haven't quite understood yet. You don't have to get on an airplane and fly to Zambia to be missional. You don't have to go to Guatemala to act like a missionary. You can live the missional life every single day by having a mindset of a missionary. By moving from the inward focus of me, 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 what I want to the external focus of what does the Lord want... What does the Lord need? How can I minister to these thousands of people that live around me every single day? Now, in case you haven't noticed, it's a little cold outside. It's been cold the last couple days. Today, I think it's going to be a heat wave for most of us, right? Because it's going to get a lot colder over the next two days. Now, I love cold weather. It's right up my alley. I wish the next two days, I wish it'd be like this all winter. That's just kind of how I like it. I'm hot natured. Amy loves heat. So she'd go to the beach, I'd go to the mountains, but it's going to be very cold. In fact, there's a chance of snow, right? Now I want to do a poll very quickly. Is there a single teacher or student that is not aware that it may snow tonight? Anyone? Look at that, 100%, it's amazing. It's so funny to me, two weeks off and we're praying for one more day. Please, Lord, please, Lord, let it snow. Let it at least ice over Dr. Pugh's mailbox. So when he gets up in the morning, it seems as if the whole county's covered, right? Now, we're not very prepared in this area to deal with snow and sleet. So everything shuts down for three or four days, and we laugh because there's an inch of snow and there's nothing open. But if you go farther north into bigger cities, they're more prepared for ice and snow, aren't they? So they have all these machines. They have all this equipment. They have these big trucks that they fill up with the salty, gravelly-type mixture. And these trucks have this one clear duty when it snows. They get filled up with this salt. And their job is to drive around the community on the roads and do what? Just pour that salt out everywhere. That's what they do. And so they'll drive around for however long it takes to dump all that salt out. And guess what they'll do? They'll go back to the dispatch headquarters and they'll get refilled with salt. And they'll go back out into the world and they'll pour all that salt out and on the roads, and they'll do it over and over and over again. Now, wouldn't it be silly and wouldn't it be useless if those trucks got filled up with salt and filled up with all that gravel and the two guys in the cab of the truck said, you know what, it's so pretty out here today, let's just drive around. I mean, have you seen the snow in the trees across? Oh, it's beautiful. The river's iced over. Let's not, let's not pour any of this salt out. Let's just drive around for a few hours and look at the beautiful snow, Right? We laugh at that. That's silly. Why? Because they've got a job. They're called to do something very important. If they fail in that job, guess what? It affects society for that day, doesn't it? It's kind of like that with our Christian walk. We ought to show up at church on Sunday morning and be filled up. We ought to study the Word of God. We ought to pray. We ought to... Sing, we ought to worship, we ought to be energized, and we ought to leave excited about all the Lord has done, and then we ought to spend the rest of the week pouring all of that out into all those people that surround us. And then once we've poured everything out, and we've given all we can give, Sunday morning rolls back around again, and we show up and we get filled again. But here's the problem. We have way too many believers that show up on Sunday morning they get filled up and they drive around all week and never pour into anybody else. And we wonder why the church is in decline. And we wonder why the church doesn't impact culture. You see, it's our calling to come on Sunday morning and study and to worship and to sing and to pray and do all the things that we do. But then Christ and the Word of God is so crystal clear on this. Once we're filled, we're called to go and to share and to be missional. Now, we're going to give you an opportunity this summer. This is something we're very excited about, and this is an event that we're planning Mission LaGrange is going to be July the 6th through the 12th. And all the things that we do overseas, we're going to do in LaGrange. We're going to give you the opportunity to minister. We're going to give you the opportunity to love and to share and to go into the community and do a, a, a vast array of things that are desperately needed. But I want to encourage you and challenge you with something. You don't have to wait until Mission, until Mission LaGrange to reach out to your neighbors. You don't have to wait until July to be missional. You ought to be challenged and encouraged as a follower of Jesus Christ every moment of every day to live with a missionary mindset. Now back to the scripture. Colossians 4 and 5, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. There's this sense here that we need to move from the internal to the external, making the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer Everyone, here's the second truth. If we're going to be missional, then we must open our eyes to the opportunities all around us. If we're going to be missional, we need to open our eyes to the opportunities all around us. See, the Lord calls us to go. The Lord calls us to minister. The Lord calls us to be salt and light, to pour into the people around us. But the problem with so many believers is we get so locked into our world, such tunnel vision, that we don't recognize the need that surrounds us, do we? We get up early. We work hard. We check off our to-do list. We come home. We spend some time with our family. Maybe we have a devotion. We go to bed and we reboot the next morning. That's our life. Rarely do we stop and ponder the need around us. Rarely do we stop and wonder, Lord, how could you use me this day? Rarely do we consider the missional mindset of being salt and light in the world. I've said this before and I'm going to continue to say it because I think it's so true Anytime we go on mission or we have a group of people that go on mission, they always come back and you always hear stories of how the Lord worked. We just saw the Lord working so evidently here and we just sensed his power there and we saw people get saved and we just felt like he was doing an incredible work through our team and in that little village and we come back and we share those stories. Here's the truth of the matter. The Lord is always at work. He's not just at work in San Juan Moká in the little village in Guatemala. He's not just at work at New Day Orphanage in Zambia. He's not just at work at Curtice, Romania. He's not just at work in Brazil or Alaska or all the places we're going to go. He is at work in those places, but guess what? He's at work here in LaGrange, Georgia as well. The problem is we get so busy and so focused on the things that we have to do that we miss the truth of this teaching. And So if we're going to be missional, one of the things we're going to have to do is open up our eyes and become more and more aware of all the opportunity and all the need that surrounds us. Now Paul gives us two words in verses 5 and 6 that will help us understand this. Bring up those verses again if you would, please. Paul says in verse 5, Be wise in the way that you what? What's the word? Act. There's action there, right? It's not enough just to notice. That's kind of the first step. But what it has to lead us to is action. You need to be doing something. Now verse 6. Look at verse 6. Let your, what's the word there? Conversation. Be seasoned. Be full of grace. seasoned with salt. You may know how to give an answer to everyone, in other words, you need to have these conversations. Your life, if you're going to live missionally, ought to consist of recognizing need, but that need and that recognition should lead you to action and it should lead you to conversation. It's not enough for you to show up Sunday morning and simply give a prayer request of a need, that's a great thing to do. Don't misunderstand me, but I worry that so many of our prayer requests kind of die on the whiteboard in our room. Oh, there's a, there's a family that lives across the street from me and they have a great need and this, and we go through and, we, and we're going to pray for them and we do pray for them and we're concerned and we walk out of the building and we never do anything to help that family. That's not the way Christ intended it. Paul says you need to have action. You need to be conversational. You need to recognize these needs and then you need to begin to do something about it. But here's the problem most of us run into There will come a point in this year as we continue to challenge you to do this and continue to remind you of the importance of this where you're going to recognize a need. You're going to see an opportunity, whether it's with a coworker or a family member or just some random person. You're going to recognize an opportunity. You're going to recognize a need. But here's the next step for you. For so many people, once they recognize that need, it's going to become about boldness for them, right? I've got to be bold now and do something. I see the need, I know there's a process, I know there's something I need to do, but I need to be bold now in my action. I'm reminded of the boldness of the early church. I'm reminded of their need to hide and the fear of persecution and how they had to live their lives and they had to be bold for Christ. I'm reminded of the reformers of the 16th and 17th century. I'm reminded of the people that live in countries today where Christianity is illegal, that they're persecuted and they're bold for their faith in Christ. And then I think of us. And I think of me. And I think I have never personally had to choose between my safety or attending church. I've never had to choose between worshiping God or going to prison. I've never had to choose between living as a pagan or dying as a Christian. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm thankful that we live in the country we live in. I'm thankful we've been given rights and privileges to worship the Lord. But my point is, and my fear is, that Christianity in our culture, in our context, has become so easy that most Christians have lost the very boldness that defined the early church. But now let's really hit close to home. Let me really step on your toes. You ready? Ready? We're not afraid to be bold in a lot other areas of our lives, are we? When the restaurant charges you too much for your food or improperly cooks your steak, you're bold enough to say something, aren't you? When someone says something you don't like politically, I bet you're bold enough to enter into a conversation about their views, aren't you? When we're at our child's ball game and the official doesn't seem to be calling the game correctly we're bold enough to say something aren't we let's be very honest with one another it's not really about boldness is it it's about boldness for the things of Christ and it's killing our church and it's destroying our society you understand that right Paul says you need to do something You need to take action. You need to have those conversations. Men, you need to be bold for Christ. You're manly in so many other areas of your life. You're bold in so many other areas of your life. You need to be bold for Christ. Your wife needs to see you being bold for Christ. Your children need to see you being bold for Christ. Now some of you are probably fearful. You're thinking, wow, does he want me to get up tomorrow morning and preach? in the break room at work. I'm not talking necessarily about that boldness, although if the Lord leads you to do it, you should do it. What I am saying is let's take one more step towards boldness, whatever that means for you. Let's be a little more bold this year for the things of Christ than we were last year. Because if we're going to be missional, if we're going to take the gospel seriously, then we've got to be aware of opportunities. We've got to find boldness. We've got to summon up courage through the power of the Holy Spirit, and we've got to act, and we've got to do something. Now, thirdly, as we finish up this morning, not only do we need to focus from internal to external, not only do we need to recognize opportunities that should lead to action through boldness, but here's the third truth. We must create a culture of missional living at Rosemont. It doesn't need to be just another activity. It doesn't need to be just another sermon. And I promise you, from the pulpit, you're going to get a steady diet of this idea of missional living in 2014. But we need to create a culture of missional living. This idea that we're going to show up at church, get filled, and then go out into the world with purpose. To share the love of Christ. To minister in the name of Jesus Christ. To do something bold for him, for his honor, and for his glory. Now I know that not every person is called to go to someone's door, a cold call, knock on the door, and share Christ. I know that. Not everybody's called to do that. I know not everybody's called to get on an airplane and fly halfway around the world and do mission work. I I get that. Not everybody's wired like that. Not everybody's going to do that. But I'll tell you a truth from Scripture. Everybody is capable and called to love an unbeliever in the name of Jesus Christ right where you live. Every person is capable and called to reach out to somebody in need. Every person is capable and called to live for Christ every single day of their life. Now I know for certain that there are people right now in this congregation that have heard this sermon and something within their spirit has just kind of moved. And something I've said has just really connected with you. And there's a sense even now in your heart of excitement about what the Lord's going to do and what the Lord's going to how the Lord's going to work and how the Lord's going to speak and and all the things He's going to accomplish. I want to encourage you, whoever you are, if you sense something in your heart right now, the Lord wants to use you to lead this movement. Don't be afraid. Don't let the devil trick you into thinking you're not good enough or smart enough or wise enough or don't have enough experience or don't know enough of the Bible. If the Lord calls you to move, He's going to equip you to be successful. And so whoever you are, you're going to lead the way in creating a culture in this church of missional living. You're going to lead by example. You're going to challenge others. You're going to step out on faith. You're going to trust in the Lord. And you're going to be on the front line of living for Christ in all things. I want to finish this morning with just a clear call from Scripture. If you study the Word of God. If you read enough of the Bible, you understand that Christ calls us to go into the world. Whether you lead or whether you follow or whether you're somewhere in between, the Lord calls us to go. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen to 20. Therefore, he's speaking to his disciples. Go and make disciples of all nations. It's a clear call. Acts eight, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. On and on the list goes. The Lord has called us to go. The Lord has called us to be. The Lord has called us to live missionally. And so I want to tell you, I just want you to be prepared for this. 2014 is going to be the year of missional living at Rosemont Baptist Church. Because we're called to go into the world. We're not called to sit in a church building and wait for unbelievers to show up. So we're going to go. We're going to live for Christ. We're going to be missional. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the clarity of your word. Thank you for this challenge, Father, that's already resonating within the hearts of our people. I know right now, Lord, I just sense that there are already people excited about this idea. Lord, you, you strengthen them. You encourage them, Father, that they're going to be the leaders. They have to be the leaders to change the culture at our church, Father, to have a more of an external focus, to recognize opportunities, Father, to be bold, to take action, to do your work, to live missionally, Father. And I pray this year would be a year that's just incredible for our church, a year we can't even fathom or you just do amazing things in our hearts for your honor and for your glory it's in Jesus precious and powerful name that we pray amen you can stand thank you for joining today's sermon we would love to hear how today's message blessed you use the contact us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org god bless